You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is a young up-and-coming all-star in our fair community. She is a fair manager who has developed multiple successful social media campaigns to promote her fair and has a strong vision for the future of her fair. That fair is the Clay County Fair in Green Cove Springs, Florida, and she is Tasha Hyder. Tasha, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me back. So let's get right into it. You're one of the youngest fair managers in our industry. What drove you to get into the fair industry? You know, I wish I had like this heartwarming story that most fair managers have, like they grew up in it, but um, I unfortunately don't. Um, I kind of just happened to fall into this position from peer pressure. Um, I was the events coordinator in a city nearby. And up here we have three things. We have the fall festival, which is what I was in charge of. Um, we had the Scottish Games and then, of course, the Clay County Fair. So it was kind of a natural step. I had built a decent reputation from that event and um, was asked to apply for it. I had never dreamed um, of becoming a fair manager. I enjoyed fairs. I enjoy the food. Um, I grew up going as an attendee, but I've never not one of those pe- not one of those fair managers that grew up in it. So um, but I'm loving it. No regrets. Awesome. So give us some background on your fair um you know what's the attendance when is it and how would you describe the general atmosphere of your fair so we are a legit county agricultural fair when people think of the county fair we we fit that definition of that um we're a 10-day fair but in 21 we are adding an additional day so we'll become an 11-day fair we are in the beginning of april into march beginning of april depending on the year and we have 130,000 people um, that number keeps growing each year and we're expecting it to grow again with the development around our fairgrounds. Yeah. So um, give us kind of a general geography of where you're located. I know you're kind of right outside and what uh, a little West of Jacksonville. Yes. Um, we're in between Jacksonville and St. Augustine. Okay. North of St. Augustine and South of Jacksonville. Now how much, uh, how much peel off from Jacksonville do you guys end up with getting for your fair attendance wise? Um, about 50%, honestly, um, 50% of our people come from outside of Clay County. Awesome. Um, so Tasha, if, if there was a first time a young family was kind of visit your fair, uh, what do you recommend they do? What do they check out at your fair? What's like the food they have to have that's unique to your fair or the experience that that first time young family needs to look for? Yeah, so um, I would highly recommend the early Florida village. That's our historical part of our fair. We have about 30 historical buildings that are either um, original buildings or replicas of buildings. Um, all of the buildings are at least 100 years old, if not older. And it's just a real people dress up in costume and it's a really cool thing. And then the Amish donuts are crazy here. People will pay a gate admission just to come and get an Amish donut and then go home. That's, I'm for the pizza. I always recommend going to get a slice of pizza, which I always get made fun of. You really, you do pizza at the fair? I'm going to make fun of you right now. Of all the things you could eat at a fair, you go for pizza. I know, but it's good. It's good pizza. (laughs) Um, Who's yeah. now? Who's your, who's the vendor that's who, that's making this great pizza for your Clay County Fair? Oh, you're gonna get me in trouble with all my pizza guys. <laughs> Sorry, don't tell me pizza guys. But um, I go to Swift Concessions. So Zach and Jen. Oh sure, um, yeah, yeah. They make great pizza. Absolutely. They also 
making cheese stuffed corn dogs. I'm not sure if that's like a Tasha special and I'm the only one who gets it. I'm going to feel special over here. But um, yeah, I'm a vegetarian, so they help me out. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was being a vegetarian, is, that, is it a challenge for you to be a fair manager being a vegetarian? Because <laughs> we're not exactly known in this industry for like our very healthy, you know, vegetarian concessions. No. As I told you, I'm not your typical fair manager, and that's one of the reasons why. Um, when I took the job, my board didn't know that I was a vegetarian, and I didn't want them to know because I knew the jokes would come. And they had this big steak dinner for me as a reception. And, I was like, <laughs> and like, sometimes I'll budge and eat like chicken or turkey. Like, I will eat that once in a while, but um, not steak. And it was, yeah. My secret came out on night number one. <laughs> so, so you're a vegetarian, but not not like hardcore militant if you'll sneak a little chicken or, or poultry here and there. I'm a picketarian. I'm just picky. You're a, you're a picketarian? Picketarian, yep. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you, you have this idea of what, you know, a first-time family or mm -hmm. various different groups might experience in, at your fair. You, um, above a lot of other fairs, have really great social media campaigns getting out your message. Do you communicate that kind of information um, through your social media campaigns? Like, are you saying, you know, here's this piece of content that shows what, you know, a young soccer mom, and a young family might experience at the fair. Or here's a piece of content that, you know, if you're seniors and you're coming out on seniors day, here's what you're going to experience at the fair. Are you differentiating your message like that? Yeah, we try. Um, we definitely try to do that. Now, whether that relates to actual content, that's a different story. But yes, that is one of our goals. Um, something that we do here is we have a street team. And that street team is, it has a lot of ages with it. We have the young kids from like seven years old or eight, however old you have to be on social media, to like our seniors who are 80, 90 years old. Wow. And we basically turn our social media over to them and the goal of that is to show people in your demographic what you love best about our fair. Um, show them what you like to do here at the fair. And we just turn it over to them and um, we use that content from year after year to go with. So yeah, we try, we try our best. <laughs> well, it's awesome. I, I think, um, you know, as I've taught social media classes over the years, I've been surprised at the number of fairs uh, and marketing people that have come up to me after thinking that, you know, for years, and even with the advent of social and, and the expansion of Facebook's ad product that, you know, so many fairs produce that one commercial and they put all their eggs in that one basket and the, all the commercials sound the same, you know, it's the, you know, come on out April 1st through 10th, it's the county fair. And it's the exact same voice, the exact same video. And I'm out here telling them, you know, you really could produce a video that shows hey this is what your seniors could do and you can target only the seniors and it's you know you can produce a video that's here's what your families would do you can differentiate all these different demographics you could have 40 50 60 pieces of content running on facebook and only the people that you need to see them would see them and you could really tailor that message to exactly who needs to see it within your your area um so we wanted there's Sorry, Robert. Oh, no, um, go ahead. Our demographic is everybody. So you have to, I mean, we cater to all sorts of life. And that's the great thing about our fairs, right? I mean, we have all races. We have 
all genders, all ages, um, all sexual orientations, all of that coming to enjoy our fair. So if you're just targeting one demographic, the country people or whatever that demographic is for a certain fair, um, you're totally missing out on a larger audience for your fairs. So. True. Well, and at the end of the day, we're in business. You, you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you, it's just about the country show on Friday night. You know, no offense to the country folks. We love them. They're a very important part of the fair, but, you know, so are, so are young soccer moms. So are African-American families and, and Native American families and everybody. I mean, we, we need to have a thing. If the county fair is a true county fair, especially like you say, yours being a true agricultural county fair is, you have, you got to be able to get that message out and have something for everybody. Yeah. And a great example for us this year, we brought, well, would have, because um, <laughs> fair let me change my words but uh, we we were bringing vanilla ice and sir mix a lot to our fair and we're country bumpkins out here okay that concert sold out it was the first concert that sold out before we opened our gates so that just goes to show you that if we would have stuck in our little box of country artists only we would have missed out on thousands of people who yep might be coming to the fair for the first time just to see vanilla ice and sir mix a lot so right and they're the ones that you just might leave you that message on Facebook or they post on Instagram. And if you're smart about it, you know, going and searching your own hashtag and seeing what people are posting, they're yep. the people that you go, oh, you know what? We haven't tried this before, but next year, maybe we should get some other kind of 90s or early 2000s group exactly to come out. We had some um, artists not able to come back for some more. <laughs> and um, we saw how popular those types of um groups were and we added another one so um you're exactly right on that yep so we wanted to produce this podcast this season you know before we we got rolling and the recording I was telling you sarah and i wanted to kind of renew and revitalize the podcast earlier in the spring and then as all the dominoes started to fall we decided to put it off and uh we decided a few weeks ago we wanted to produce this season and start now and tell the stories from around our fair industry from fair managers like yourselves, entertainers to concessionaires uh, and tell those stories of how this pandemic in 2020 has impacted them personally, has impacted our fairs, their com um, the communities that our fairs are in. I think we'd all heard about the pandemic early in 2020. We, I mean, it wasn't, I guess, officially a pandemic until the middle of March. Um, but I feel like March 11th, and I've brought this up on several recordings so far, March 11th is this date that seemed to be the center of the universe for the pandemic. It was the date World Health declared it officially a pandemic, but closer to home, I think with that was, that was the date that Houston canceled the rest of their event. And the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeos, yeah, attendance-wise, it's either them or the State Fair of Texas that's the biggest in our industry. So I think that's the moment that a lot of us started going, oh, this might be a bigger deal than we're, you know, we're thinking, you know, of course, at that point, so much of the information is getting politicized. So none of us really know what to believe. Do you remember where you were when you heard that Houston had canceled? Yeah, um, we were in the talks of canceling our fair on that day as well. So um, the Houston Livestock Show happened and um, we have Degler as our midway provider and their Ferris wheel is actually at the Houston Livestock. So um, immediately my mind went to, oh no, if our media finds out that that Ferris wheel 
is coming from Houston and there were cases of COVID there and now it's coming to Clay County. This is going to be a nightmare. So um, got on the phone with Andy. We talked about that a little bit. Um, we were going to keep that between us and hopefully not bring that out. But um, I remember Andy asking me, is there a chance that your fair is going to get canceled? Um, we're hearing rumors that other fairs are getting canceled. And I said, over my dead body, will we cancel our fair? Um, little did I know, I'd be calling him within 24 hours and saying, Andy, I might be dying quicker than I thought. Um, this is a real conversation. Um, and yeah, so the Miami-Dade fair, they got canceled the morning. They were opening the their gates, weren't they? Yeah, they got canceled um, the day of opening day. So I sent that screenshot to my EOC director and I said, listen, this is happening. If there is an, an ounce of possibility that this is going to happen, let's chat about it. So um, he sent me back the text that no fair manager ever wants to get from their EOC director that says, let's meet right now. We need to discuss this. So we met and um, we decided to call an emergency board meeting that day. And at the end of that, we made the heartbreaking decision like so many other fairs have made to cancel our fair for 2020. And um, just and our EOC director said that if we got one case in Clay County, that we would be shut down. And during that meeting, little did we know that one case was actually confirmed. So we made the right decision. Um, we canceled exactly 21 days before opening day. Mm. So um, the thought process on that was we wanted to stop the bleed because the closer you get to fair time, you've got your vendors, you've got entertainers. They're all booking their hotel arrangements. They're buying supplies for the fair. Um, we're getting closer to not being able to get out of our contracts. And at the time we were one of the first ones to cancel. So right. I think at that time people didn't realize how long this was going to last. They didn't know um, if it was just going to be a month or here we are, what, eight months into it. Um, and it was, I mean, it was just a, a weird time. It was a road that none of us have ever, ever navigated before. We, we prepare for violence. We prepare for bad weather, but I don't think any of us have ever planned for a pandemic to shut down the entire fair. So um, it was definitely not in my playbook of things to be prepared for, but um, I think we handled it well. I think our vendors appreciated that we gave them enough time to be able to not spend that money that they didn't need to spend on food and supplies for the fair. So um, it was the right thing to do. How does, um, you know, I've talked with other, other fair managers um, so far in the season and every community, um, it, it seems to be the same story on how it impacts them, but how does this impact your community when you, you lose a fair? Cause I think for a lot of our communities, they look at the, the county fair or the state fair as, you know, seven days, 10 days, whatever it is in April or August or whenever, and then that's it. Um, but they don't realize just how far reaching into their communities a fair and a fairgrounds that, that, that we are. How does that impact your community with that fair being canceled? Well, and I think this year was the eye-opening experience for those people who think that. I think they realize just how important fairs are to the community this year when we were not here. Um, when we made that announcement, we, talking about social media, the good, bad, and ugly, we got beat up. Um, I mean, we, everybody did. It was just, people were not understanding at all. 
Um, but that's the great thing about our, our fair family is they came to our rescue and fought our battle for us. So, but um, back to your question, I think, I mean, our fairs are just very important to, to our community. And I, just like the other nonprofits that rely on our fair to get income for the rest of the year, they get donations, our food pantries. Um, they rely on our canned food night to stock their pantry to get them through the rest of the year. So I think this year they real and other businesses like the gas stations, the mom and pop restaurants down the street, they benefit from the fair being in town. Hotels, ho I mean, we book a lot of hotels during our fair and they miss out on that business this year. So it was, I mean, a, a fair is a very important part of the economic cycle. So yeah. when you get that out of it, you, you're missing a large part of business. Well, and even with that, what you're talking about, <clears throat> that's still only within that you know, 10 to 14 day window around the fair. What happens to your fair? Uh, I mean, are you guys year round facility or do you only produce the fair? We're only the fair, but okay. um, facility, the county runs the facility and they had to cancel the other events throughout the year too. Sure. Um, so proms and all that stuff, rentals, wedding rental, all that stuff goes. Right. Because I mean, the, the our fairgrounds was taken over by our EOC. It became... A, our exhibit buildings are housing the supplies, the PPE supplies. So no one can rent those. Um, we had restrictions up until last month, I think, is when they finally gave up on the restrictions. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a negative part of it. But then on the positive part of it, we were able to do a lot of stuff. I mean, my share, our Fair Cares, that's our program that we give back to the community. Right. And we were able to take some of our sponsor money that we had from sponsors that they had allocated towards the fair and we were able to take that money and give back to food pantries and um, some of our nonprofits that were missing out on fair income we were able to donate stuff to them to help them get through so that's the positive part of what we do oh sure the I, and i think there's probably some real silver linings in all of this and um i think for a lot of the communities across the country they're now maybe looking and going man without the fair there you know we didn't have this we didn't have that um Anyhow, so the, the decision gets made for you guys um, immediately obviously causes a huge financial loss for your organization. Can you talk about, though, the process that you went through and kind of pivoting and producing some kind of a virtual fair? Because Sarah and I were talking and we think, to our recollection, you guys may have been the first out of the gate in the entire industry to go to a virtual fair. Yeah, Robert, I think my legacy is going down for the virtual fair. And I don't... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that yet. I'm like, there's got to be something better that of I'm known for. Of all the for. things, it's a virtual fair is what you get known for. Really? But um, yeah, to my knowledge, we were the first ones to do the virtual fair as well. Um, and the funny story behind that is um, I got bored. I mean, I am a very, I'm a busy body person. Um, once you cancel that fair, I mean, the wheels are going all the way up until opening day. And then just for it to stop. And to reverse everything that you've done for the past year, um, I found myself very bored and lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. So um, it started out with one little contest. And that contest grew into this massive virtual fair that we put on. And then I found myself doing talks and seminars to other fairs who found themselves in a similar situation. But um, yeah, I didn't even take it to my board for approval, which... I don't recommend for everybody that probably won't work out good for fair managers in all um, areas of the fair industry. But for me, it worked out okay. Um, 
it was a it was interesting but it grew it was popular people loved it when we did it that's when quarantine was happening i mean we were in the very beginning of quarantine so people weren't allowed to even leave their houses at that time so um and for us it was a little bit different like now if i were to do it again i would probably look at it more of a financial impact when i did it the purpose was just to keep our fair relevant to remind people that we're still here and to give people something to do because people were bored um we didn't get any money off of our virtual fair um, we also want to help our entertainers. I mean, you guys lost a lot of business. I mean, you lost a whole year's worth of income almost. So um, we ended up getting like Dennis Lee and um, canine, our disconnected canines. Um, we paid them. They didn't know that we were going to pay them. They jumped on for free. And then we surprised them with a little bit of cash to help them get going. So, um, but now if I were to do it, I didn't feel comfortable doing sponsorships and, um, because, you know, businesses didn't know. They didn't know what their financial plan was going to do. So um, that was a relationship builder for us. The sponsors that we had already had, I included on the virtual fair for free. So, so it was a little bit different. Like if you're talking to a fair manager now that's doing virtual, um, hopefully they're trying to get money out of this because that's appropriate to do at this point. Right. Um, at our time, I didn't feel comfortable asking for money when they didn't even know if they were going to be in business tomorrow or not. So that kind of leads to the next question. Beyond the virtual fair, were you guys able to um, come up with some other kind of event, a fair food drive through something like that that was able to generate some revenue for your organization? Yeah, we ended up um, jumping on board with everybody else with their drive through food um, things that they did. We took it a little a step further and we did... Um, fair food, concerts, and a drive-in movie. And it was based over three days where people could come. We had the Ferris wheel come out. It was good. Um, funny enough, our governor moved us from phase two to phase three on opening day of that event. So we're over here saying you have to wear masks, you have to follow CDC guidelines, our insurance is telling us that we have to do this. And then our governor comes out opening day, like an hour before and says, no, we're in phase three. So that was real fun. Really enjoyed that a lot. So <laughs> hopefully people are getting the sarcasm. When you have a switch like that, that happens that quickly, I mean, don't you have to go by whatever your insurance certificate yeah. said, regardless of what the government governor changes at the last minute? Yes, Robert, we do. <laughs> so so um, you had all sorts of people going, but, but the governor just said... And you're sitting there going, yeah, but our insurance says. That's exactly what happened. We had mask enforcers. We, and we were, we used common sense. Um, we only made people wear the mask when they were going to be in close quarters. We didn't make them wear masks over the entire area. We just used common sense and wanted to prove that you can hold an event safely during a pandemic. If I'm, you take I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt with the common sense. What I'm, I'm not familiar with that. There's not been a lot of that lately. We just, I mean, we didn't want to, it's such a politicized, and as you mentioned that, it's the mask is such a political debate, and we didn't want that. So we kind of met in the middle. You had to wear your mask when you are in the food areas, and you had to wear your mask when you were in the um, restrooms. Outside of that, we were able to space out. We had lots of hand-washing sinks, um, and, you know, I don't, we didn't have a high attendance, and I don't know if because we did such a good job with our messaging on our COVID regulations, if that hurt us. Um, 
or if the governor just decided to i don't know i don't know that answer when what was the date that that was taking place um it was about the end of september so i think it was the september 25th okay when... so recently yeah um Interesting. yeah um our movies were popular our movies sold out so that was a good thing um but the concerts and the food wasn't wasn't we didn't lose money but we also didn't make a lot of money to brag about either so well and i think maybe i think there's an intangible with an event like that even even if you only had you know 500 as attendants or a few hundred the intangible is the difference you made for those people one you keep your brand as the clay county fair still visible and that you're mm -hmm. making an effort to be support the community but that intangible of you know for those families that came out that might be one of the first times they've come out and done anything and felt somewhat normal yeah. in months and so i think uh you know i think this is one point where obviously dollars are important budgets matter um but I think there's an intangible that we have to look at that has real value to the community. And that's what we decided um, with the board. I mean, when I brought this to the board, I told them, I'm like, listen, I don't know that we're gonna make money on this event. Just, you guys need to be aware of this. And we made the decision that it wasn't about the money. Um, I mean, if we broke even, we were happy. And it was mainly just to get the community out and doing something again. We were the first event in our area to have a public event since last year. So. Um, we just wanted the community to do something. And the people that came, they were very supportive of it. They loved it. They had a great time. Um, they want us to keep doing it every weekend. We're not going to be doing that, by the <laughs> way. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I keep seeing the success of these drive-in food things that other fairs are doing. And I'm like, yeah, we could do that. And then we had maybe 500 people show up for the food. So um, right. it's okay. I mean, we had a good time and we did it. We offered it. And if people didn't take advantage of it, that's on them. So, well, and I think that's kind of what at the, at the end of the day, your brand put itself out there to support the community and, you know, try to keep an event going and mm -hmm. people, you can't, um, you can't at that point worry about the people who didn't come. You just got to hope that for the people that did come, that it made a difference from them and, you know, maybe kind of help lift their spirits, especially if it was at the end of September. I mean, by then, you know, here we are now at the end of October, this thing's dragging. I, I think people across our country are getting uh, pandemic fatigue big time. Absolutely. Well, so, even the musicians that we brought out, they have been out of work since this whole thing has went on. So they were very excited to get on stage and perform again and entertain the five people that they had watching them. So. Oh, I take it. I, I'd play for empty seats at this point. If I was a musician, I'd be just get me back on stage. And I think that's, you know, I've talked to a couple other people in the, as entertainers, you know, it's not, especially when you've been doing it as long as some of us have, it's not like, oh, well, you know, just go get a job at Target or Home Depot or whatever. And some of us, some people have, and I've seen them and they, they're, I admire that they have the tenacity to just go get it done and and take care of what needs to be taken care of but i think for some of us we wouldn't know how to function we we are entertainers this is what we do this is how our brains function this is how our spirit functions so to just be back out on stage i mean i could see someone like dennis lee just being like oh you know thank god i'm on stage again that man eats and breathes entertainment Can you imagine I, I, 
as a Walmart greeter. Like he would be the best Walmart greeter ever though. He probably he really probably would be uh, dramatically, dramatically underpaid for the value that he would bring to that Walmart experience. Um, but yeah, he would be, he, he's got that kind of, of energy. So that's really cool. And, and I really, I admire the fact that you guys were able to, with some of these events, kind of surprise some of your entertainers and say, Hey, you know, I know you were doing us a solid, you know, and, and I don't know what you paid them. It, it, it it's kind of irrelevant. It may or may not have been what their rate was, but for them to get something and to show, Hey, we value you. Um, I think that means a lot. So we now find ourselves, you know, late October, November of 2020. You're just about six months away from your 2021 fair. That fair may go off without a hitch. That fair may be in some modified capacity, may not happen at all. We just don't know. With that kind of uncertainty, how do you go about planning for that event while you're still in the middle of a 2020 pandemic? Well, given our governor's take on this, and pushing the gas pedal on reopening Florida, we are moving forward. Um, we're, again, I'm going to throw out that word, common sense. We're using common sense um, strategies. We're going to um, not require masks, but highly recommend that people wear them in tight quarters. But um, outside of that, we're adding additional hand washing sinks, hand sanitizing, um, we upped our cleaning schedule, but we're moving forward. We're having a regular fair. Everything that you're used to seeing at the Clay County Fair will be here. Um, we're adding an additional day. So, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Is it how much additional is it costing you guys in cleaning supplies? Because I was talking with Linnell Smith. Um, she's one of the guests this season um, from the Sydney Royal Easter Show down in Australia. And their requirements, they were allowed... Um, you know, only a certain number of people in their arena, you know, and it was like, I think 30%, 20%. It was really low for what their capacity was. And it's like, I think she said a uh, 14, 15,000 seat stadium. I mean, it's, it's monstrous. And even if they only have 3000 people in there in between shows, every single seat has to be washed. Wow. Uh, luckily, we don't have that restriction. Um, we're in phase three. There's no restrictions on group sizes here. So um, I'm glad we don't have, I mean, that's, I can't imagine. I mean, that's when you have to really look at it and ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth doing this or not? So right. um, as far as our, our cleaning, I increased my budget up to from 20,000 to 75,000. So um, but that was very, like, I, I went above and beyond on that one just to yeah. cover ourselves. We don't know what's going to happen in April. So I just wanted to make sure that we're covered. But um, I don't foresee us spending that much sure. on it. But it also, there's got to be some kind of, um, um, like, a, a CYA on that. You know, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, having metal detectors where... Right. It, it may not stop anything, but if something does happen, so in this case, if somebody did get sick at your event, for you guys to be able to say, look, we more than tripled our budget for cleaning, you know, that it shows on your end that you guys really put the effort in to make sure the area is safe. Exactly. And we're still going to have the sign. We have, we're just doing what we've been told to do since back in March. Basically, our COVID plan back in March is going to be in effect. And I hate to say this, but I think that's going to be 
normal conditions going forward for the event industry. I think you're going to see more hand washing stations, more sanitizing, more announcements, public announcements. Don't forget to wash your hands. Yep. Um, I don't know why people weren't washing their hands prior to this, but that's another no kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not a clean freak, but when I heard people going through, like literally all these people, celebrities making videos, this is how you wash your hands. I'm like, like how America did you not figure this out before? Where did we go wrong in America where now we're making videos of how to wash your hands? Yes. <laughs> yes. This, is, this year has been absolutely, uh, absolutely crazy. And, you know, it, a point was made, one of my other guests brought up <clears throat> looking back at, at the 1918 pandemic with the, and I think that was H1N1 was the virus back then. Um, they, you know, we talk a lot about how the first wave of, of the 1918 pandemic was actually minor. It was right. the, uh, the million, the, the thing got going. It was the second wave that next spring, I guess, that just wiped people out. Um, so we focus on that. But one thing that we don't talk about is that, they had, they were wearing masks until 1921. They had three years of wearing masks to clear that thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't happen here. I mean, I, I foresee this being like a five-year thing with events. I mean, the masks, the hand-washing stations, the distancing. Yeah. But I mean, shouldn't we be doing some of that anyway, regardless if there's a COVID? I mean, for us, our Main Street, we're spacing out vendors on Main Street but that's more of a safety thing than a COVID thing. I mean, we should have spaced those vendors out to begin with. Um, on a Friday night, it is so packed on Main Street that it's almost unsafe to be out there. So um, I think some of these things, maybe we should have been looking at them um, regardless of COVID. So. so maybe that's part of your silver lining in this is that yeah. it's caused, it's forced you guys to reevaluate Mm -hmm. um, how literally down to your floor plan, you know, your footprint. I mean, I can, and you, we've all been at these events on a Friday night where you're shoulder to shoulder and you're just sitting there thinking, man, if one of these vendors has a fire, has a grease fire, if that hot dog vendor goes up, God forbid, I've got no, you know, you're stuck. Yeah. And that's exactly what we've done. We've looked at that and we're like, you know, we take COVID aside, just take it aside what can we do to better the experience of our fair guests? It's that sweet spot that we keep hearing about. Like, yeah, we always look at the attendance numbers. We always want to improve on attendance, but your grounds, can your grounds handle that increase of attendance and people still are enjoying your fair? Are they right. still getting the quality that they're paying for when they come in the gates? And for us, not all the time on a Friday, Saturday night, it's not enjoyable to be here. It is so packed. The lines are so long. Um, if I was a paying guest, I would be mad that I paid that $10 to come in and not get to see anything because there's 30 some thousand other people here enjoying it too. So sure. um, look at that. we're looking at our gate promotions to help with the attendance on those big days. But again, yeah, that COVID has spurred some of those conversations, but we should have been doing this anyway. We should have been looking at those days that are too busy to be on grounds anyway. Well, and the crazy thing is, this is just the way fate works. There's some fair right now in America who's having the same conversation that you guys are. And they're going to go, you know what? <clears throat> yes, we want to maximize our gate. And yes, we want to maximize our real estate. So we want to be able to sell every, you know, 20 by 30 spot to a vendor or whatever and maximize. But maybe we need to dial it back a little. And that decision, they don't realize six years from now, 
is going to save lives because something will happen and they'll be like, people were able to get out. You know what I mean? Like something will happen or maybe guest satisfaction goes up so much. They're like, yo, we can raise our ticket prices from eight to $10 or $12. And people are paying it because they know they're getting a better experience now. And we've had those same conversations. I'm in my safety meetings every year. I'm pretty sure they're tired of hearing me say our main street is not safe on a Friday night. We have got to look at this. Um, this year they, we got it done and COVID helped with that. So, um, with all the bad things that COVID has done to us, there are some positive things that are coming out of COVID. We're having to look at looking outside of the box. We're having to not do everything that we've done for years and years and years. It's forcing us to look at what we do and see if that's going to be feasible for our next fair or event. Well, and, you know, doing social media presentations for, you know, fair conventions and, and organizations, the one thing I hear so much is, well, we've always done it that way. And those are the words of death for a business. And so mm-hmm. we've always done it that way. It just isn't going to work this year because there's no excuse. You have to change it. You have to innovate now. Um, and so assuming that pandemic is brought under control and your 21 event is able to happen, um, have you and your team thought about how you approach your social marketing and your ticket sales for 21 specifically, you know, if you look around, there's millions of people that are without jobs that are behind on their bills and their mortgages. Um, and then state and County fairs maybe start happening next year and you turn around and go, Hey, we know you're out of a job, but can you spend money to come to the fair? Um, have you guys thought about how your messaging is going to work for that? Yes, we have. Um, we've actually hired a marketing agency this year to help us with our overall messaging Um, a couple of reasons behind that. We don't want to be insensitive to the pandemic happening because it's still going to be relevant in, um, April because what I'm hearing is vaccine may or may not come out in April. I'm not a scientist. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Um, but as, as a fair manager, we've got to be mindful of that. So, um, we did hire a marketing agency to help us with that, to help. And it's been two, by the time we come around, it's gonna be two years. For the next fair so we've got to make sure that people still remember that we're here because we skipped a year we haven't had a fair since 2019 so that's going to be the two-year mark when we come around so um as far as the prices yes we've worked with our midway provider we've done some new gate promotions um and we are very mindful that people may not be able to afford the fair this year so um yeah we're doing some like healthcare workers, they're getting in half off on a Sunday. We haven't done that before. We've never offered on the gate promotion like that. So just don't do any promotions like that on a Friday night nope. <laughs> when you're going to cram 40,000 instead of 30,000 in there. We have no promote Friday and Saturday are the most expensive nights to come to the fair. Why? Because we're trying to help with our traffic. So, um, yeah, I would recommend coming on a different day than Friday or Saturday. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know me, I watch Facebook pages for fairs and how they respond to things. And it's always interesting to me that how many fairs just don't even acknowledge anything on their Facebook pages. I think that's a mistake. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of, to some extent, get a chuckle at the guests that show up on Friday night and they go, we got there at seven o'clock. Y'all are open till 11. We didn't get to get on anything because the lines were so long. I'm like, where'd you think you were coming? (laughs) You know, if you really want to have a great, I always tell people, if you want to have a great experience at a fair, 
go on a Wednesday afternoon. Yep. You'll get and to do what- everything, every ride twice, you know, no lines for anything for minimal weights for anything. And you're not jammed in there like sardines. And we purposely um, do our gate promotions to help with that. We want people to come out on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, like our entertainment, we try to book our best entertainment on a Tuesday or Wednesday to help with the traffic out here. So, but yeah, I crack up too. We're notorious for traffic. We have one road in, one road out. So um, traffic here, we make the news every year for hours long traffic. I'm like, you know what, let's turn this into a positive. Bad news is news anyway. People are still talking about us. They might be listening to, oh, the Clay County Fair has a three-hour traffic wait. Well, guess what? People now know that the Clay County Fair is in town. So let's turn that around. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Silver lining on everything. Is there anything you've learned about yourself as a young fair manager during this pandemic? Um, Yes. I learned that age doesn't really matter. I mean, I am the youngest on my, well, I can't say that now. I have a young board member who is younger than me. So it's happening, Robert. I'm getting people who are younger than me on my board. I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, come on. You're only like 24. How could that happen? Thank you. That's nice. But uh, (laughs) at the time, she wasn't on our board. So in that room, I was the youngest by probably 10 years, 10, 15 years. And they they listened to me. Like they followed my lead when I was like telling them. And um, so, yeah, I learned that age doesn't matter. I've always had that chip on my shoulder, I guess. I've always been the youngest to do this or that. And it's always been a thing. It's one of those things that's always there. Um, And I feel like with age, people expect more of you, I guess, maybe. But with canceling and leading our team through a pandemic, it wasn't an issue. My board respected it. They listened to me. They took everything that I said to heart and it, yeah. What advice do you have for other um, fair managers or, or people in the industry who are struggling right now? Breathe, take a, take a long walk and breathe. You're not the only people going through this. Reach out. I mean, there are resources out there. I know Marla and her team are doing a great job um, with those meetups. Join one, talk about it. Um, it's, it's a hard time. Yeah. Well, and I, I, when, credit. We, when we recorded with Linnell, she was the first person to use the phrase that this is a grieving process. She was the first person I'd heard that this is a grief process. Uh, and that's not only for you guys as people who work so hard year round for that one fair, but for all of us who in the, as entertainers and vendors that our whole livelihoods are on the line here, um, and for this whole year I've just been cruising through is that this is one massive inconvenience. But when she said that it did kind of hit different that there is some grief here. And I think we should address it in that manner and, and focus on our, you know, our own mental health and making sure that we're taking time for ourselves, whether that means you're carving out time in the day to be uninterrupted and read a book or go to the gym. If your gyms are open, go take a walk around your, you know, allow yourself to not be on, at all times and allow yourself some, a little bit of weakness, you know, and, and some moments of sadness if you need it. And then like you say, just take a deep breath and keep pushing forward. Yeah. I mean, we've all went through the stages of grief. We were mad. We were sad. Um, we got creative and I mean, we're just, 
we're strong individuals. I mean, inter the entertainment business and the event industry and fair industry, we're some of the strongest people that walk this planet. So um, just know that and know that, you know, you've got this, you, you can do this. Look at you, you juggle all these complaints, you juggle vendors, entertainers, and it's all coming at you on a daily basis. You're used to stuff coming at you full force. This is no different. Just take a deep breath. It's just a different topic. So, yep. um, so uh, I appreciate being on the show. We're just about out of time, but before we go, I have all of my guests. I'm putting through a speed round of questions. I've been practicing this. You've Let's been practicing, see. except when I sent you some of the, the pre-show questions, I didn't include any of the, the speed rounds, did I? No, I'm ready. I deliberately <laughs> left that out of everybody's rundown. So they have no, they don't know. You ready? Here it's it is. <clears throat> I was going to say... One of the questions was going to be corn dogs or turkey legs, but then I you when you were like I'm vegetarian, I went I better change it. So it's still a little bit still fried on this side. <laughs> Funnel cake or fried Oreos? Oreos. Oh, fried Oreos. All right. Uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. Agreed. I, we're, we might be in the minority, but I agree. Yeah. Uh, if money was no issue, what's the first place you'll travel after the pandemic? Oh, I'm a traveler. This is a great, oh, I want to go ever. I want to go to Turkey, uh, providing it's safe to do so, but yes, right. Turkey. That sounds cool. Uh, and that segues to this one, being a traveler, um, name one item when you travel that you absolutely have to have with you at all times. Oh, My noise canceling headphones. Favorite concert you ever attended? The monkeys. Really? <laughs> The monkeys, how can I ask how old were you when you went to see the monkeys? Like 12, but I think I remember it and it was so fun. And it's the monkeys, like they're awesome. So hey, if you enjoyed it, <laughs> Tosh, I'm so glad you could come on the show today. If other fair managers or folks in the industry want to reach out and get with in touch with you, where can they find you? ClayCountyFair.org. Make sure you do .org. It'll send you to Jeremy up in Iowa, who's not as cool as I am. So, um, Make As sure an entertainer who would love to perform at both of your fairs, I will be Switzerland on that comment. <laughs> Jeremy and I have a lot of fun with people getting us confused. So I bet it happens a lot. More than you know. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for being on the show today. And uh, I'm sorry we won't get to see each other at IFE, but have happy holidays and, and stay safe down there. And I hope you guys manage to have a fantastic 2021 fair. Thank you. You as well. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.